Ready to stop trading time for money and build a business that can scale? Then you're in good company. This is the Productize Podcast, where I chat with entrepreneurs who've transformed their businesses using the Productize service model. I'm your host, Brian Castle. Want to learn my best strategies for productizing your business? Then get my free crash course by going to productizecourse.com. Now let's get into the show. All right, so if you're a WordPress developer, or even if you're not, you'll find tons of insightful nuggets from this productized student case study with Jason Resnick. That's what you're going to hear today. And it was a really interesting conversation. And one really um, interesting point that popped out to me was when Jason told me that he had set himself a goal of 10xing his revenue within his first year, which is, you know, that's a pretty uh, large, you know, larger than life kind of goal to, to set for yourself. But he actually hit that milestone within six months of productizing his service. I thought that was just, you know, crazy impressive. Um, So you're going to hear all about that. And in in this case study, you're going to learn how Jason shaved hours off of his production time with just a few simple tools and systems. You're also going to hear how he manages to deliver, quote unquote, unlimited support without hiring a large support team. Also, why Jason chose a productized service instead of selling WordPress plugins and themes, which are you know very popular product types within the WordPress space. He chose not to go that route, and, and instead he did a productized service, and you'll hear his reasons for that. And then finally, how he introduced his new higher-priced packages to his longtime clients and why they still bought into it. So we'll get into that uh, conversation in just a moment. Now, today's quick tip is to focus on one ideal customer. And we hear this all the time, but I, I mean, I can't stress how important this tip is, really, no matter what type of business you're in. But this is especially, especially the case when you're building a productized service business. By focusing on one ideal customer, that's what kind of unlocks the, the whole the whole box and, and the whole toolbox of marketing uh, campaigns and marketing strategies that you can use to actively and, and proactively get your, your business and your value proposition, your offer in front of your ideal customer. Because when you have not defined who your most ideal customer is, then you can't really do any of that kind of proactive marketing stuff because you don't know who you're going after. You don't know the places where you need to be. You don't know the the networks that you need to uh, kind of penetrate, if you will. Um, so, you know, by understanding who your most ideal uh, customer is, you can really get a deep understanding of, you know, who they are, what they do, where they're coming from, what their goals are, what their top challenges are, and what their most burning problems are. And that's what's going to actually lead you to a solution, a value proposition that essentially sells itself because you're connecting with a very specific type of customer who has a very specific problem and they and they found you in um, among thousands of other companies out there. They found you who and, and you've planted your flag saying, I solve this problem for this customer. And that's what makes selling a productized service so much easier than, say, general consulting um, type of work. So that's today's tip. Focus on one ideal customer. Now let's get into it. All right, I'm here with another uh, case study interview. Today I'm talking to uh, Jason Resnick. Jason, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Brian. Cool. So uh, so you and I uh, talked, I guess it was about a year ago or so, when, when we first met and we talked about your WordPress development services and how you're making this transition to, to productizing. Um, so I, I guess, you know, but before we get into your backstory. Let's talk about where things stand uh, today. So your website is 
I, I love your domain, rez.com, which is R-E-Z-Z-Z.com. And uh, anyone can kind of check that out. And that's, um, you know, clearly you do WordPress uh, web development services. But, I mean, in a nutshell, how do you describe your business today? Um, I'm, I provide monthly development resources for your WordPress site for small businesses, designers, and marketing firms, um, specializing in e-commerce and custom development. Very cool. Um, and you know, the one thing that, that immediately stands out to me that you and I have talked a lot about is, is that you don't exactly bill it by the hour and, um, but you don't, you also don't necessarily charge per project either, which is kind of the more traditional thing. I mean, that's really what I used to do when I, when I did WordPress web development was like, figure out what you need and, and let's do a proposal and, and, and every project is completely different. Um, but you have these packages where you're selling for the most part, monthly, uh, retainer packages for your services, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I used to do the, the hourly thing. I still do sometimes and I used to do the project based, um, you know, contracts as well. Those are few and far between at this point, but, um, yeah, I've, I've turned them over to really just the monthly, monthly service price and they pay month over month for their, for whatever they need done. Yeah. Very cool. And you got, and you and I were talking before this, this call and, and, you know, as, as we start to step back to a year or so ago and, and get into your story a little bit, um, it was interesting to hear you talk about, well, you know, if, if you work as a freelance Word, WordPress developer and you're thinking about transitioning into products or, or you just want to build something that's a little bit more sustainable and reliable and predictable, the very first place that people go is selling plugins or, or selling WordPress themes. You know, because that's kind of what gets all the attention. I mean, can you talk a, a little bit about that? Like most freelancers, I want to have a sustainable business. Um, and being in the WordPress space, a lot of people latch on to that as selling a product of some sort, whether that's a theme or a plugin or or some sort of ebook or something like that, where you know, month over month or day over day, they can they can generate revenue in that way. Um, because I didn't want to go down that route, I tried to figure out what I can do to really tailor my services in more of a productized way because I enjoyed doing the custom work day after day. Um, really just being able to listen to a client's goals and objectives and be able to implement those, um, you know, and see them through, you know, not just development and launch, but through implementation and support, um, you know, and be able to pivot with them, whatever they needed. So for me, that's what I enjoyed doing. And I wanted to try to figure out how I could productize that um, and not have to rely on, you know, the traditional, let me build a plugin uh, or a theme and then build a support team around that and a marketing team around that and try to get sales that way. Yeah. Well, what was that what it was like, like the, the daunting idea of building a support team or having to support a plugin was that kind of what what turned you away from that model at first um in part yeah i mean you know to build i knew that support was going to be a big deal and you know i had spoken to a lot of people that had that had 
their own plugins and they were doing their own thing in that way and they said it's not as much as you re would think and all that so that kind of diffused that a little bit but then I really was like do I really want am I is that something that I'm going to enjoy doing you know building a plugin and kind of tailoring the features and and iterating over that software and and I wasn't sure that I was I, <laughs> it would keep my interest so to speak yeah um, it's true that that's a side of building a software product that most people they're, they're, like building a so selling a software product is so exciting and there, there's an allure to it right but but i i've definitely experienced this where you know you build version one and by the time it's ready for like a second version or changing or something or, or some kind of enhancement you're just sick of looking at the same screen over and over again you know and, and the same kind of feature set yeah and and that's what it is with with what I provide to my clients is that, you know, they're they're all you they're all different in their own way. Um, you know, in, in I actually I don't have two clients in the same space, but you know they all do e-commerce or they all do you know email list building, um, some sort of content marketing. You know, they have custom uh, development on their site in some way that you know they need fit for their business yeah um, and that to me is interesting because you know if I get if I get stagnant it's something that I'm just not gonna want to wake up in the morning and do yeah yeah and you know it, this is interesting because I, I know that a lot of other people especially in the web development space but other other uh, other industries too um, kind of fall into this where you know they're looking at a productized service as, as a potential path forward um, but they're kind of you know backing away because it's too repetitive or it looks like it's it's just doing one thing over and over and over but you managed to to craft your model around uh, around doing what what like something that you valued most which was having that variety and working with different clients and, di and solving different problems but how did you craft it into a standard predictable model like what what are your pricing and, and packages of service actually look like today yeah I mean just before before today I kind of did go down that route of WordPress maintenance packages but I, what I did was I tacked on like development hours to them um, so I did the standard you know back up your site and updates and all that kind of thing but then I always wanted to still solve those problems that were custom to each client so I would tack on five or ten or fifteen twenty hours a month to those packages and they would purchase that that way but then I was still too tied to that metric of hours mm -hmm. um, and I kind of wanted to move away from that because I felt that the value add um, was more than just how much is my hourly rate um, you know my experiences what I look at on a daily basis you know things that I've learned over the years so last year was a was a transition period for me um, you know from 2014 into t 2015 that's when I was like okay you know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna really go full 100% in on this and see if it works I'm gonna give it a good year to see if if I can really make this work in some way and see if I can you know basically sell my services as a product mm -hmm. um, so what I did was over the years one of the big things that I found in development is that business people they don't necessarily want to know what 
the techno mumbo jumbo is. They just really want the whatever their end goal is, that's what they want. They might want to know a little bit about what's going on to get there, but they really don't care if you're saving, you know, backing up their site off-site and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so I started changing the language of how I speak to these clients um, more to speak to the benefits rather than the features. Um, and that was that for me that mindset was was a game changer because I was kind of speaking their language rather than speaking my language and speaking you know with them rather than to them um, so that way it was able to really say okay this is my service this is the benefits that I can provide to you as a developer you know on your behalf month over month you know sitting with you communicating with you um, on a regular basis um, and this is where we're gonna go you know if we don't get there you, there's gonna be along the way you're gonna know why or how or we can transition or whatever it is and that's kind of where I came up with the slogan for your partner in code is because I'm there every step of the way with them to achieve those goals very cool and so that big change you, you mentioned that you went into the year saying I'm, I'm gonna give this thing a year and, and see see what happens um, and see if you can kind of transition your your business model and basically the, the main change that you were looking at was going to this fixed monthly price and you get a yes. list of things that are included which are like a weekly phone call um, basically as is it as unlimited like code changes or, or like yeah, how, does, how mean, does that work right so what what I do offer is, is you know I say unlimited obviously it's just me so there's only so many hours in a day but the thing is communication is key in my service in that you know we sit down every week we kind of outline the priorities of what you're trying to achieve you know for for the upcoming week or for the quarter or whatever the goal you know whatever you're trying to accomplish and I say okay it's gonna take about this long you know right. and 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 I kind of tell them you know, I, I set the expectations, and that's really all that the clients really ever care about. Yeah, um, and so it's really yeah. just like about—it's not constant. You know, continuously re-quoting or, or re-estimating how many right. billable hours. It's just like they have you on retainer, and 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 that's that's that. Like you're just continuously making progress toward you know incremental improvements. Yeah, and and exact, and that's exactly right. I wanted to create kind of like a frictionless environment for businesses because you know there's always that like if you take it out of a month and this is when I you know early on a couple of years back when I started really tracking the time of what I was spending it on um, it was anywhere between like a week and two weeks of just scoping projects out mm. you know and uh, out of the month and and you know that that takes time and it grinds on people and going back and forth with the emails and all that other stuff I just wanted to create some sort of service where you know here's here's what you're getting when you pay me for the month and that's basically what happens is, is it, I'm not locking anybody into a contract I basically just say you pay me for the the month that's coming up and we'll work together if you don't want to then you know if you can tell me at least five five days before so I could take you out of the billing so you don't get all the updates and things like that but um, you know yeah. I bill forward instead of launching something and then having to invoice after the fact 
Yeah. So I do want to get into like step back in, into like the first steps and how you started to make this transition. But before we get there, I mean, you brought up billing. I'm I'm curious. I'm sure the listeners are curious. Like, how, how does your billing work? When do you bill clients? How do they pay? Um, yeah. Yeah. I have. I basically have two tiers, um, and the tiers basically are the exact same package. Um, the difference is, is the higher tiers basically get you availability to me in communication, meaning every week we're going to have a scheduled scrum call that's your time slot. Um, you know, I usually do it on Thursdays or Fridays and I schedule it and that, so that this way every week we know we get on the phone at 3 o'clock and, and we talk for about a half an hour about what we did the last week and what we want to do the upcoming week and, or shift priorities around. Mm-hmm. Um, I also provide them a Slack channel. Um, I use Slack mm-hmm. for you know, kind of instant communication. Um, you know, because sometimes some people they love email, and that's really the core of my business is through email. Um, but some people enjoy, um, you know, Slack. They like the fact that they can just kind of write to me at any time that they're thinking about, and I'll pop on in the morning, or even if it's you know something on my phone pops up during the day. At least I have immediate access to them, and it kind of gives them that comfort level that they know that at least I'm around. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of having an in-house developer, they know that they can just pull up Slack and be able to you know grab a hold of me at any given time. Um, and that's really the difference between the two the two tiers. Um, the, the upper tier is is at this point right now twenty four ninety nine, um, and that gets you all of that that information. Um, Got it. And you're billing at the start of the month, or or yes, after? Yeah. Okay. And is it all like like do you use like Stripe or are you sending like a, a an invoice and they pay? Like I what? I use Freshdesk for the invoicing and it's linked into Stripe. So. Very cool. Um, awesome. So, um, okay. So fresh, wanna... books. fresh books. Oh, fresh books. Yeah. Of fresh desk is my, uh, help desk system actually. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, so you're using a, a help desk system to, like, yeah. I, I was going to say like having all these Slack, uh, you know, communication oh, yeah. and, and email communication and, you know, yeah, it sounds like you, you do need to have to have a system to organize all of it. Yeah. I mean, I've done all sorts of Zapier integrations and everything to kind of seamlessly put everything into Freshdesk so it gets tracked. So even Slack messages that somebody just pings me, oh, I need to do this on the site. Um, I wind up just, you know, running a slash command in Slack and that actually creates a help desk ticket for me. So that this way everything is tracked. Nothing gets fall, fall through the cracks. Got it. That, that for me, I think a lot of times that's what developers, they don't have these systems in place. Yeah. Um, and if they do, it's it's very, you know, it, for the client itself, themselves, that's not a part of their everyday. They're not going to go in and use like Jira or any of these complex systems and they don't want to, you know. They, so yeah. I try to make it as easy as possible for them to interact with me and be able to, you know, get what they need done. Yeah, I've, I've had the same approach. I mean, we use uh, Help Scout, which I'm sure is pretty similar to... to Yep. Um, fresh desk and um, so they just have our one email address and they don't have to log into any sort of you know back end help desk system or anything like that like we just we just receive their email and on our end we've got our whole sophisticated ticketing organization and all that but they don't see any of that they just see a regular email exactly. um, cool and and you know I guess the other thing to point out here is you know is, is, we're hearing you say you know every client gets their own slack 
channel or at least the ones paying the upper tier get that um mm -hmm. you know you, you have the weekly calls you, they're they're sending these these emails in i guess to a certain extent it's like you, you are available to them to to respond and, and do work but it's not necessarily like immediate on call like if they sent a, a slack message to you there's no guarantee that you're going to get back to them within 10 minutes right? right like they they still have these access points and and their messages get into your ticketing system but i'm sure you can you know spend a few hours working on something and then come back and, and you know fill out it like you know battle through the tickets every morning or whatever yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, the the onboarding and the setting the expectation is critical with them, with with new clients and making sure that they know, you know, I do have office hours, you know, I, I might be, you know, I might not have like, you know, a Fifth Avenue address, you know, and, and an 800 number, but, you know, I do hold office hours. They know that I don't take calls on Monday unless I schedule them, that kind of thing, um, you know, this way that the work gets done. You know, mm -hmm. and and they're fine. You know, like I've I've come to realize that as long as clients know what's going on, then then they're not gonna really say boo about it. You know? Yeah. As long as you set those expectations. Um, if they come to me, um, and they say what's going on with X, you know, that for me is like, oh, what happened? You know, where where did the communication break down? Right. You know, so I, I try to keep that me. I try to keep that first and foremost and these avenues you know again you know I have clients all over the globe at this point um, and you know different time zones and things and you know sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and there'll be a whole laundry list of slack messages you mm -hmm. know it just happens to be that way and you know they know that I, you know they know that I'm not going to be answering slack messages at three o'clock in the morning but yep. uh, you know I, I, like I, like you said as long as they're, they're you know they know these things, um, and then I'll circle back with them. I usually tell them I'll circle back with them at least in within the next business day. Very cool. Okay, so let's go back. Um, I don't know a year ago, maybe two years ago. Like we. So, what were the very first steps that you took when you knew that you know you're 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 going towards this productized service concept? What was the very first thing that that you did? Track my time. I had to know oh. exactly for me what I was spending time doing and and how much of that I can optimize. Um, Interesting. So, so what I did was, you know, just simple time tracker. I, I happen to use Toggle um, mm -hmm. and it, it's free for one user, I think. Um, and I just, everything I did, even whether it was replying to emails, taking phone calls, coding, you know, even researching blog you know, reading blog posts for clients, that kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, you know, I was just tracking my time so that I knew where I could optimize things um, and be able to shave minutes off of my week. So, um, what what did you find? Like, what what were what were the results, or what? How did you analyze your time? So, what was interesting was that I was finding things like going back and forth with setting up meetings, and and like I was saying before about the contracts you know scoping out projects and things so those time those time consuming things to me I was like okay if I can address those things off right off the bat you know then that I'm already shaving hours off of my week um, you know so I use Calendly to set up appointments and things like that that shaves off at least four or five emails yeah uh, oh man Calendly is such a good tool yeah. I love it <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. And 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 the way that, you know, just other things too that I found that, you know, I I had already kind of put this help desk into place, but like as you said, you know, like if people are hitting me through email or they're hitting me up on a phone call or through Slack or something like that, what how can I shave the time from cutting and pasting things and dropping it into the email and so I you know, I started using Zapier and IFTTT.com and things like that to try to automate a lot of these things. And now it's funny because so much of that behind the scenes is automated when one of those services goes down and it doesn't happen often, but when it does, I'm like, where is everything? What happened? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But it, 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 saves, it saves tons and tons of time just to know where you can shave off those minutes and then really concentrate on the work at hand. Yeah. Okay. So, so there are a lot of tools and systems and, and, and behind the scenes automation that a lot of us tech types, you know, techie types know how to, how to work our way around things like Zapier and, and all that. Um, so that, that can shave off, you know, a, a chunk of, of time and make things more efficient for you. But I, I got to think that there were other things that you changed in your service, maybe on the client's side. You know, I think you, you talked about how you only do your, your calls on Thursdays and Fridays and you have no calls on Mondays. And um, like, what were the changes from the client's perspective that you, that you, like the very first things that you put in place? The first, the first, well, it was actually probably a couple of things in, in, in place, but it was really just making sure that every client was going through the same process, no matter what they were doing. Um, whatever time zone, whatever where, whatever their business was. So, like as I said, I do have office hours. Um, I, you know, I don't take calls on Monday mainly because I want to make sure that the week starts off that I'm getting work done. If I get calls at 9 a.m. Monday because you know three clients thought of things over the weekend, I'm already t-boned for Monday morning. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, that that starts out with an unproductive week. Um, and really putting knowing myself and what I'm where I'm more productive was key also so I know towards the end of the week like Friday afternoons I usually put my low energy tasks there um, so by doing that and knowing that you know I'll take my scrum calls then so that this way I could set up my following Monday with the highest priorities based out of those calls that we had you know the previous week um, and really just communicating with the clients and, and knowing that, okay, this is the email address that you use. You want to get anything done. You have to go through this method. That's how it's going to get tracked. That's how I know it's going to get done. If you text message me or whatever you might do, I'm not going to answer that. Or mm -hmm. it's going to get lost in the shuffle. Um, you know, It's not going to get done. So really just having a proper onboarding. I mean, you know, that it's kind of a loose term but it's really just setting the expectations from the clients from both what I expect from them but what they can expect from me as well hmm. very nice um, so how when did the pricing and packages that like the changes that you made there when did those come into play and how did you how did you introduce those those price packages for the first time when when you had been doing like hourly billing before that yeah so that was uh, like I said, really January of last year is when I implemented these prices, um, right in, right at the start of the new year. January um, 2015? I, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're recording this uh, end of December, so just exactly like a year ago. Yes, yeah. Yep. And 
so I had kind of in the around Thanksgiving time of 2014 I kind of started telling my existing clients that I was moving towards this new service and new business and kind of giving them some sort of opportunity to you know stay on board if they wanted to um, and really you know kind of capitalize on some early bird access things and mm -hmm. and early bird pricing and that kind so, of so you were going to clients who you ha had been working with already and they've sure. been paying you for a long time and you yeah. have these contacts al already yeah definitely I mean I wanted to really base that of having co quarterly conversations with those existing clients is how I built the services that I needed you know whether they you know they wanted more communication that you know what kind of services they were looking for um, from a developer those kind of things so that's kind of how I shaped my business and then it was really just me about you know really about me just formatting that in a way to present it to the to them you know mm -hmm. back to them saying this is what I'm doing you know and this is really out of our conference goals um, so what did that actually look like like you sent you said an email or you had a call and you said okay starting next month there's gonna be I'm gonna start billing you on this model instead of the old model and, um, and, and like did, right. did they have to like opt into that and, and like what was the the feedback or any pushback yeah I mean there was some pushback uh, you know obviously it was a price increase um, you know, and it was a different way of a lot. Some of them were with me for like five years, you know, and they were used to the same, you know, the model that I was working in. They were used to the hourly. They were used to that kind of thing. And by me transitioning, you know, maybe their business couldn't adjust to it. Maybe how they worked with their own clients couldn't adjust to it. I mean, I had, I kind of trickled in a couple of them into Q2 of of. 2015 under the old model just mm -hmm. because I had an established relationship with them and I didn't want to kind of burn that bridge sure uh, but you know some people carried on you know some people switched immediately because they wanted you know the value that I provided to them they said yeah that's fine you know you can you should have charged more still you know and I'm like great <laughs> <laughs> right. but you know but don't but, <laughs> right, right, yeah. but you know I, I mean, and then some you know a few dropped off and you know that's okay too you know I mean I'm still in contact with them but you know it's just it's just business so yep. it's nothing personal cool so where'd you go from there so you, so you you kind of phased in your your existing clients I guess we're kind of getting into like qu quarter two of, of 2015 or so what were your what were your uh, next steps my next steps were really to try to get new clients on board um, really the first you know several months of, of the year was really ironing out the processes making sure that I was delivering on what I was saying I was delivering on making sure the communication channels were working the way that they should be um, and then it was a, more of a matter of really just you know trying to bring on new clients um, and really finding that niche client that I, I work well with kind of the the clients that I work with are established businesses that have a site um, but the site is doing what they kind of need you know but it's not really matching their brick and you know brick and mortar sort of business um, they need tailored uh, development on their site or they need you know more than out-of-the-box kind of plug-in uh, feature sets 
you know they need it really tailored to their business but they don't have the resources to bring on an in-house developer got it so so how did you come to that like how did you figure out who your your most ideal client is was it based on just previous experience of, of like looking at your current client list and saying all right these these five are great and these other five are not so great and I kind of want to focus on them or like how did you kind of go through that process yeah sort of I mean I, initially you know my ideal clients in the in the past had been the design and marketing firms and that was really because I had worked in that space full-time so I knew how those companies worked um, and by doing hourly and that kind of thing that worked well um, I didn't have to go out and do the sales part of it they were just kind of giving me the work mm -hmm. um, when I found when I started productizing my services over the I guess even a year and a half or two years back before this this current you know the, this founded you know service mm -hmm. uh, I started seeing that I was more tailored towards being that partner being that development partner that these small businesses needed because I was able to kind of listen to what they needed and be able to quote-unquote speak the King's English and, and and developers don't do that very well yeah um, be able to communicate like okay you want an e-commerce store you know and then they want all these bells and whistles and I, and I just ask why 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 do you don't you really just want somebody to click that buy now button um, yeah you know, and kind of bring them back down to earth rather than talk to them technical and say, oh, well, that's going to take jQuery and all these libraries and all this other stuff. They just start getting glassy eyed. So yeah. that's kind of really how I, um, you know, started finding that, okay, this is where I really fall in very well because my, my existing clients were telling me that, you know, yeah, and, that I can do that. So, yeah. And, and it sounds like, you know, you started to identify that, hey, you know, when I work with these businesses, these small business owners who don't have the technical know-how, but they need, they need e-commerce or they need some, some sort of uh, development, you know, solution, you kind of identified that in that situation, you, you're actually solving a real problem, like a real business problem for these clients. Whereas you, if you look at the agencies, I, and I just know this from my background of doing similar kind of work a few years back, um, agencies, there's nothing wrong with it really but but agencies working with freelancers it's more about a commodity you know developer in a chair working these number of hours and and that's what they need it's not like you know bringing you in a, a, to and they have some burning problem that you can solve so I, I think it's very smart to focus on the small business owners because you're identifying a problem that you can solve and you're like the go-to solution for that which which makes it much easier for them to recommend you to other businesses and then easier for you to market and get in front of them so very cool yeah and I'm the other thing too is that I'm also very analytic I don't necessarily say that we need to do it this way and it's because just because I want to do it that way I mm -hmm. you know there's always some sort of data back you know reason for why you know I want to implement something on a on a customer's site because I, I know for a fact either because I've done it in the past or because you know the research says that if you do it this way this is gonna work for you got um, it cool and and I try to explain that because the thing is I'm 
in this space. This is what I live and breathe. I do every day, that kind of stuff. So I'm always reading articles and things like that. You know, I, you know, somebody that sells custom guitars, you know, they don't know what, you know, converts on email newsletters or anything, sure. or anything like that. Or they don't know that color plays, you know, into how you, you know, whether somebody buys your product or not, you know, yeah. so they don't know those things. So I try to convey these data backed, you know, and well researched, you know, effects to make sure that they can accomplish those goals. Yeah, very cool. And it positions you as as an authority, as an expert, which of course you you genuinely are. You know this stuff inside and out, and it and it just adds even more credibility and and kind of fuel to the whole to the whole business. Very cool. Um, so I mean, like, what else? Now, as we get you know cl- throughout the year, we're getting closer to present day i mean what else has has changed and and maybe where are things changing as we go forward and into the next year yeah so the one thing that i had set out on and last january was to 10x my monthly revenue and i'm not one one of those types that puts out the numbers or anything like that but um what was funny was that um you know from the previous year i had to 10x that number so when I said that to my wife, she looked at me like with this like blink, blink, like really? How you gonna do that? That sounds like an awful lot. <laughs> you know? So I was like, I don't know, but that's if my I. My wife say says that, says the same things to me. Like, all right, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, and I said, if I say I'm gonna double it, that's kind of too low, you know. If I say that I'm gonna 10x it. Um, for me, that's like shooting for the sky and, you know, I'm going to try to everything to get to that number. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually wound up reaching that goal in June. So it was a half a month in, I mean, half a year. Half, in. Oh, yeah, I was going to say only only six months in. Right. So I oh. knew at that point, I said I said to myself in, in January, if I get the, the 10x number, then I know that this model works um, and I want to pursue this even further wait so let me let me just clarify this so you actually 10x your was it 10x the number of clients or 10x the revenue within six months revenue revenue oh wow wow that's impressive (laughs) thanks yeah yeah (laughs) i mean for me you know a lot of people you know they want to 10x the profit and that kind of stuff and i understand why but i was really just wanting to make sure that what i was doing was valid and by being able to bring in the money I know that this is valid, um, a valid service that people want, and that's really what what it's a matter of selling, right? You want to be able to sell, because I mean, and I've had failed projects. Um, you know, I wrote, I I did an ecom, uh, an ebook that I wrote on my blog about you know why I shut it down. Um, uh-huh. You know, so I've done failed products before, but I really wanted to make sure that what I'm providing to people is something that's viable, something that people want to buy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about people want to buy because what's really interesting about that is, you know, such a drastic increase in revenue in such a short period of time, but you're, it's still just you. Like it's not like that, that increase in revenue required you to bring, you know, drastically grow your team or, you know, costs going up. I mean, you're still basically spending the same number of hours and even, even being more efficient with how you spend your hours. So I think, I think that, that goes to show a, how, how efficient your, your time has been, but B um, probably more so on this point is that 
businesses prefer, not necessarily prefer to pay more, but they prefer to have that predictable model of, I know that, right. that if I pay, you know, Jason's company X number of dollars every month, I get exactly what I need to have my problem solved. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's really what it came down to was that, you know, like, like I said, I have, I have calls every week. Um, and I even set up quarterly calls with clients that I, I, I just call take your temperature kind of calls, just make sure how we're doing, you know, is there anything we can do, you know, better between us, you know, communication wise or anything like that. And that's the most response back is that we're just glad that we know that we have you. We don't have to go chase people down. We don't have to, you know, we know that we have a call every week. So, you know, if I think of something on Tuesday, I know we're having that call on Friday. I could just wait till Friday, you know, those yeah. kind of things. And, and that's what people, you know, they don't necessarily have, you know, 150 grand to go out and hire a developer, but they have real business needs that, that ha have to get addressed in order to, for them to accomplish their goals. So, um, having being falling in that little space there, um, you know, provides that for them. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, okay, so I mean, where where are we going from here as we head into the into the new year? Um, I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious about like, have you hit any sort of limit, inter or or have you ever like cut off the number of clients that you're going to take on? Yeah, I I I do cut off the number of clients. Because, like I said, it's only me, um, and I want to make sure that I provide the value to those clients. So, it kind of works, yeah, you know, two ways really. It's good because it kind of gives that, ex you know, exclusivity kind of mentality. You know, people, you know, I do have a queue of people that you know have are waiting, you know, for the okay. door to open or uh, that kind of thing. Um, but the other thing too is because it's just me, how much can I take on in any given day? Um, so you have to know your limits in that. Um, and sometimes I get buried, you know, there are times where like, you know, my clients don't talk to each other. They don't know, yeah. <laughs> you know, what their deadline, you know, other deadlines are. So, um, so, so, you know, that for me is so that I would like to address, you know, um, how, how do you expect to address that? I, I, it could be taking on like teammates like another developer or something or and also I'm, I'm curious like have you increased rates at all or do you plan to increase rates so one of the things that I'm thinking of is I've kind of been trying to figure out if I can bring on another developer to really do what I do um, you know and be able to talk to them talk to the clients and that kind of thing and really train them to do those those sort of things mm -hmm. um, and basically be the business of what I'm of the service that I'm providing um, I'd much rather not be a go-between, you know, where I kind of assign tasks to a developer and, you know, go back and forth. Um, that's one aspect. Um, the other aspect is, is that I'm really, this year there's two real big goals that I want to do. One is content, mar content marketing and the other goal is really to kind of analyze some of the tools that I'm using and the, the tools that are out there um, to provide more value to the client so that I can can increase the pricing. Um, I do think at, at if you asked this question before, maybe about six to eight months ago, I would have said I probably hit a ceiling for that kind of niche client. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm one. I'm thinking that I'm probably not at that ceiling yet. So raising the rates might be in the cards, but it's not something that I'm looking to do. Like immediately 
cool. Um, I'm, I will really want to make sure that, you know, I can put down a real good sales funnel before I can raise those rates so that I don't necessarily have to be that sales engineer all the time. Yeah. So. Very cool. Well, it's exciting stuff. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to staying in touch and, and seeing how, how things progress over the next year. I mean, you've had a tremendous uh, first year it's not your first year in business, obviously, but it's your first year with this productized model. And, um, I, I think it's just, you know, really, uh, really exciting to, to see all the progress. So, uh, so, so Jason, thanks for taking the time. And, um, for folks who want to check out your stuff, definitely go over to, uh, res.com, R E Z Z Z Z.com. That's three Z's. And, and where else can, can people kind of connect with you? Uh, Twitter is probably the best and that's res with three Z's also on Twitter. Nice got all the, got the domain got the twitter id that that's awesome yep, yep. Um, cool well uh, thanks again all right thanks again Brian. thanks for tuning in today get all the show notes for this entire season at productizepodcast.com and to get my free productized crash course where i share my best strategies for launching and sustaining your productized service business head over to productizecourse.com all right time to get back to working on the business